Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Weird segments are specialty here on Joe and Amber. Amber Wilson, Drew Carter filling in for Joe tonight. Drew, how many showers do you take a day? One, because I'm a normal person. Nothing to do with the environment, nothing to do with how I need my hair to look when I go to the gym. Just one, because why do you need more? I don't understand that. Non-gym rats just don't get Stop. it. Our board up, Nick Cardi, he you. understands. You did say... In our pre-show meeting, you revealed that you watched our board up, Nick Cardi. He was doing pull-ups on the rings, and you were impressed. And I assert that that's because Nick showers before the gym. It gives you extra strength. You work out better when you feel better. You should try it, Drew. First of all, don't say I watched Nick work out because that uh, makes me it, sound, that made it sound super huh? weird. <laughs> makes me sound very oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, but look, I saw you Nick. <laughs> I saw Nick in the mirror when I was, you know, was trying to look at myself because I look good despite not showering before the gym. What a concept! I saw Nick in the mirror and I was like, "Is that Cardi on the rings like a gymnast?" I feel like I'm watching Sochi right now. Incredible. That wasn't true because your hair did look a mess. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I don't care because guess what? I was at the gym, man. And until then, nobody knew. Uh, Until then, nobody knew. Now we all know. Now we all know Drew Carter. He smells at the gym. You can (laughs) find him on social media at Droodle25. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. We have the women's final Four tonight action underway. Tip in LSU, Virginia Tech. We will keep you updated on that game the whole way through. Iowa, South Carolina, a big one. Tips off at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. And that's the matchup that I feel like everyone's focused on here, Drew. But don't tell Angel Reese that because she doesn't want to feel like any sort of undercard going into that later game. We knew about the Caitlin Clarks of the world. We knew about the Aaliyah Bostons of the world. Angel Reese really has become a star, I think, for most people in March. Yeah, averaging 23 and 15 this year. If you weren't paying attention to women's college basketball until the tournament, you might not have known about Angel Reese because all the conversation, at least on social media, was Caitlin Clark this, Aaliyah Boston that, South Carolina undefeated. But Angel Reese, maybe quietly, 23-15 and 15 were her averages in the regular season. She's been really good in the tournament, too. Yeah, I think you're right, Amber. Most people are looking at South Carolina and Iowa because it's best team versus best player. It's Caitlin Clark who's going to revolutionize the game, maybe. But I'm looking at this Virginia Tech-LSU game, and I'm super intrigued. Um, not only because of Angel Reese, but because of the team on the other side. The Hokies are a one seed. They're in the Final Four for the first time ever. Liz Kitley, I think is the best post player in this matchup. That's a spicy take. I know a lot of people haven't dropped that on ESPN. I might be the first person on ESPN Radio to drop that take that Liz Kitley is better than Angel Reese, but I buy it. Back-to-back ACC Player of the Year, averages about 18 and 10. You look at their numbers in the tournament, Kitley's actually been better. Virginia Tech has won 15 in a row. They haven't lost in two months. I like Virginia Tech tonight. They're about to tip off, and I think Kitley is a big reason why, even against 
Angel Reese. I know one of the storylines is that this final four could mark the end of Elizabeth Kitley's, Liz Kitley's career at Vod Tech. I know her coach certainly hopes that is not the case. We will find out. But a big game for her tonight. We mentioned there the star that Angel Reese has become. Monica McNutt, ESPN's basketball analyst, was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning. She talked about Angel Reese and her team and what they need to do to try to get a win tonight. As wonderful as Angel has been, average a double-double in SEC play, is the leader of this squad, both in terms of her activity on the court and her voice. This team has to find some offense because I just am not sure that they can contend with Virginia Tech's ability to defend as well as Virginia Tech's offense, right? And maybe Angel is dynamic. She's a very different post player than her counterpart versus Virginia Tech, which will be Liz Kitley. But Angel's just quick off the ground. She's so athletic. She, I mean, some folks have pointed out a little chuck and duck strategy, but you know, either way, you miss, you clean it up. Like the baskets still count. And so she's just a great big personality. She's been really great for the game. I know we talked to all of them about the viewership being up and they are all so proud um, to be a part of that. I know Monica also said on KJM that Kim Mulkey's teams have this problem with finding the offense, and that's the blind spot with Mulkey as a coach. I know Mulkey's your favorite coach in women's basketball. Oh, Not boy. controversial at all, Drew oh, Carter. Boy. Yeah. I know you like Kim Mulkey because of the outfits and everything. The outfits get me. I yeah. like it. I think she's she's a very controversial personality. Yeah. I think it's good for women's basketball. It brings a, I, I think it brings eyeballs and, and some recognizability to things from the outside looking. And in a sport that is becoming exponentially more popular by the minute, by the way, these ratings are through the roof. Yeah, they're unbelievable. And, and I actually saw Kim Mulkey's stylist was highlighted on the, the ESPN pregame show from Dallas. And feels like that's fair because everyone likes Kim Mulkey because of the outfits, right? Like if you actually you dive into some of Kim Mulkey's history going back to Baylor, there's some, there's some dicey stuff in there. So, you know, the outfits, though, that's a nice distraction for everyone. And look, they've got a great team. Like, LSU is outstanding. They barely lose, aside from when they play Tennessee in the SEC tournament or South Carolina in the regular season. I just feel like their schedule has been a little soft. Angel Reese has been putting up massive numbers against those lower-tier teams. Like what she did against South Carolina. Granted, everyone struggles against South Carolina, but she was 5 of 15 and had four rebounds. And then against... In, in the Elite Eight against Miami, Angelis was 3 of 15 from the floor. So I feel like in the big moments, this is where Liz Kitley will step up. It's where Georgia Amor will step up. Taylor Sewell will step up. I know I sound like a guy who works for the ACC Network during the college basketball season. That's because I am. But I'm excited to see Virginia Tech represent the ACC here. And I think the, I think the run will continue. I mean, it's been, it's been magical, Amber. Like, this was 10 years ago a team that never made the NCAA tournament. They were never even in contention. Kenny Brooks gets there seven years ago, and all of a sudden they're a one seed and they're in the Final Four. So I'm fired up for them, and I'm excited to watch them tonight. So that game is underway. Again, right now we will continue to keep you updated on that game throughout the show as LSU, the three-seed, takes on that one seed in Vod Tech. The later game, a 9 p.m. tip-off. Iowa, a two-seed, takes on the one-seed in South Carolina. South Carolina, the most dominant team that most people think of as the best team in the sport. We will find out if that's true in a one-and-done scenario tonight. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll see who's in the zone tonight during that women's Final Four. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber with Drew Carter filling in for Joe. That's the women's side. What about the men's tournament? We're going to get into that Final Four next. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. 
10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The women's tournament is underway. We are going to keep you updated on those games throughout Joe and Amber. Drew Carter filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh tonight. But the men's tournament is coming up, right? The final four, let's talk about it, Drew, after arguably the most blue-blooded final Mm -hmm. four of all time last year. Now we get the opposite of whatever that is, the green-blooded final four (laughs) This year, where we have FAU, San Diego State tomorrow night tipping off just after 6 p.m. Eastern. Miami, UConn will tip off tomorrow night around 8.50 p.m. Eastern. A wild Final Four. I'm sure sure you, like, this was in your bracket, though, right? FAU, definitely Final Four team in Drew Carter's bracket. Well... uh I will say I did have FAU in the Elite Eight. Get in one out of my town. Bra- I did. What? I did. Now, it's kind of cheap. It's kind of cheap because... Bra- how many brackets? Like bracket 137 you had them? No comment. Okay. No comment. It is in a money pool, though. It's in a money pool. So I know, I know Joe's not here, but I am also playing games of chance. Okay, I don't live in Vegas, but I, I also invest in the outcomes of sporting events occasionally. Wild man. And I had FAU in the Elite Eight in one of my money pools, but it was a little cheap because I had Oral Roberts in the Sweet 16, and they got punked (laughs) by Duke in the first round. I also had Duke in the Final Four and a couple other brackets, so whatever. But there was a time. So after the first night of the Sweet 16, I was four for four on Elite Eight teams Mm -hmm. in that bracket. I was in the 100th percentile on ESPN. It was the greatest thing of all time, and I texted all my friends, and I said, I have to brag about this now because it'll go up in smoke tomorrow. And guess what happened? Alabama lost, Houston lost, and my bracket was toast. But it was fun while it lasted. Well, whatever you put in, like 14... 
hundred different scenarios, you're <laughs> bound to get one. I don't know how James, proud of that you should be. James, I had four brackets. Okay, I had four brackets, and That's I terrible. they're all on ESPN's tournament challenge, and and of course. everyone should Helping join that next year. Always join ESPN's tournament challenge. Um, and I had money on all of them, so it's not like I was just you know willy nilly random number generator making a bajillion brackets. Okay. So many haters. So many haters. Four. What am I, the Chiefs? I feel like everyone's hating on me, James. If you had this final four, and wasn't it something like 37 people out of the you know 20 million or whatever it was? Wasn't it? Right. Wasn't that the stat? And, and, and it seemed high, frankly, for, for yeah. having this final four. If you had this final four, it had to have been that you filled out a bajillion brackets. Now, we all should have, frankly, had FAU in the Elite Eight. They lost like three games this entire regular yes. season. If any of us had been following that program more closely, it's really not outlandish. They're a team that is a nine seed. They probably should have been seeded better than a nine seed, although a weak conference, San Diego State, the five seed. Of course, whoa, whoa, most whoa, people whoa, whoa, didn't have them here either hold on hold on are you hating on conference usa right now yeah about, not, it's, they could pull out the triple the crown amber they could that, win the cbi that, nit and ncaa that's tournament. true well well yeah. we, we still got a ways to go before then but let's talk that. about what is going to happen tomorrow night because i actually want to focus on the other game for a moment with Miami UConn, UConn, I think, being the most predictable team, not just because they're the lowest seed, but I know Joe had UConn actually winning the national championship, so he's still patting himself on the back. So did James Steele. He wants me to mention it. I had them in the championship in, in one of my brackets. Yeah. Oh, look at James. One of you. Yeah, well, one <laughs> well, of them, of course. Them, yeah. I mean, if I had filled out a bunch, I would have <laughs> I've ever won the championship in one of my brackets. Yeah. But what's interesting to me is Miami in this tournament – versus FAU in this tournament. Because for me, one of the most interesting storylines of this men's Final Four is the appearance of NIL. And it's obvious that NIL has had an impact because Miami is here. And both the success in terms of the women's bracket for Miami this season and the men's bracket for Miami this season, both of those teams getting to places that they had never been before. Well, there's a big booster in Miami. He spent money down there with NIL. These kids got NIL deals and the landscape of that program changed. I don't want to say it changed dramatically because Jim Laranega is an amazing coach. They've been to the elite eight several times. I'm not saying that they couldn't get there without some of those NIL changes, but I do think that we're seeing the direct impact of NIL versus like an FAU though. Mm -hmm. I mean, FAU doesn't have, you know, the same kind of NIL money and yet they're in the same place. So I think that that is an interesting component of this men's final four. It's fascinating to me, Amber. And I feel like NIL gets, gets an A plus from me in terms of making this interesting, right? Because I think the NIL and transfer portal, intersection a lot of people thought the rich would get richer and the gap would grow between power five schools and group of five and and mid-majors I feel like it's actually done the opposite and like look Miami is a five seed that knocked off Houston who was a lot of teams picked to win the national championship Miami is obviously a power program playing in the ACC with a lot of good history in several sports but no one expected Miami coming into the season to be in the final four even though they were in the elite eight last year and NIL has helped them get there and we have not seen at least yet nil grow the gap between the best teams and the lower level teams but i want to go back to something nigel pack said today i think myron metcalf wrote an article on espn.com where nigel pack basically said nil has not created chemistry issues in their locker room obviously right i mean they're in the final four for the first time in program history but nigel pack is one of the few guys where all the financials of his nil deal have been released 
because John Ruiz, the booster you mentioned, your boy down in Miami, John Ruiz. Boy is overstating it. I don't think John Ruiz knows I'm alive, but John Ruiz certainly has an impact down in Miami. Well, John Ruiz knows that John Ruiz is alive, and that's all that matters to him. That is, that is 100% correct. He's a billionaire. He's a headline grabber. He is the He's one He's done who, a remarkable job, though, for these absolutely, basketball programs. Absolutely. He paid Nigel Pack 800 grand coming over from Kansas State. We all know that. That's public. Thank you, John Ruiz. He paid the Cavender Twins a whole lot of money to come over mm-hmm. from Fresno State. That obviously worked out. They were in the Elite Eight for the first time ever. Also and, worked out for them. Right. Also worked out for them. Those those girls make, you know, reportedly over a million bucks a year yeah. with all of their, you know, NIL dealings. And then, of course, they have hundreds of thousands of followers, if not millions of followers on TikTok. You're young. You should know how many followers they have on TikTok. I don't yeah, have TikTok. Just over four million, but uh, neither here nor there. Who's counting? <laughs> here you go. But... Haley Cavender, <laughs> Haley Cavender did a, a press conference the other day where she said NIL changed my life. And like, no matter how you feel about it, that's cool, I think. It's, it's cool that you can make life-changing money as a college athlete, which you couldn't do until a couple years ago. But because I'm a Syracuse guy, all roads can lead back to Jim Beheim, And I can make this go. discussion about Jim Beheim. I promise. Watch this. Remember about a month ago when Jim Beheim went to Pete Thamel of ESPN.com Gave him a bunch of quotes that he got shredded for about how Miami bought a team, Pitt bought a team, Wake Forest bought a team. Can we all look around and say, hey, maybe Jim Beheim had a point? Like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that Miami has used NIL to get here, but he was right. Like, Miami buying Nigel Pack from Kansas State is a huge reason why they're in the Final Four. He has been their best player in multiple games in this tournament. He basically carried them back from the dead against Houston, and he's making money to go. They bought him. They did not buy him. Yes, they Kansas did. Kansas State. No, they did not. It was not a transaction where they called up Kansas State. Hey, we're going to hand, we're going to give you eight hundred thousand dollars, and you give us your player. Like that's not how this transaction worked. Right. Nigel Peck is making money that, frankly, he should be making because yes. of his stature now at what is becoming a major program in a major city at a flashy university, right? And yes, he is certainly helping that program move forward. The Cavender twins are, are the same sort of thing. Like they find themselves off. Also benefited greatly by having transferred to Miami as well because it has absolutely risen their platform not just in terms of their bank account because of the money of John Ruiz but what I don't like about this component of the narrative is haven't these players always been bought and paid for uh, and now it's transparent and now <laughs> it's actually going to the kids with some semblance of transparency. Not enough because you mentioned there, Nigel Peck. That's not how it works everywhere. Right. We know how John Ruiz, also because he got in trouble for how things have, you know, the Cavender twins with the, you know, suspensions and the whole deal. So there's been some trouble there because of all this. So there's been some transparency that we don't actually get at a lot of places. However, it's more transparent than what we used to get in these sports and I don't live in this utopia where the blue Bloods and other programs and maybe even the Syracuses of the world with Jim Beheim. I'm not living in this utopia that you're living in where no money ever exchanged hands before. I'm just saying (laughs) allegedly we've only had 101 wins vacated. So, but, but listen, I I just feel like Beheim had a point, right? Like let's retroactively go back and say, maybe, maybe the guy who coached for almost 50 years Knew what he was talking about there. And again, Miami was really good last year. They made the Elite Eight. They don't make the Final Four this year without Nigel Pack, who's only at Miami because he's making 800 grand. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. 
I actually think it's a great thing for, for also the school of the and the trans- sport and for him, most importantly. Also because of the transfer portal. I actually think the transfer portal makes more of an impact on this Final Four than NIL. Because, yes, yes. that's true when it comes to Miami. FAU also has benefited greatly from the transfer portal. Far, far lesser in terms of NIL. And so I do think the transfer portal has such an impact here, which also that rule changed in 2021, the same year that the NIL rules changed as well. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, is one NFL head coach in jeopardy of going from Bono to Bozo? That's next. (laughs) Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Vatek LSU game nearing the end of the first quarter with LSU leading the way, but a very close game, a three point game right now. You can watch that game on ESPN. You can watch the Sue Bird, Diana, uh, Wow. Tarasi. Tarasi. Just have you, total have you brain fart. Are you okay? Some of the, I am. I just like, I'm like, well, I don't know what just happened to me. I apologize for that. <laughs> Sue Bird, Diana Tarasi telecast is on ESPN plus right now. I, think, I, think I was distracted. J.R. Smith was on well, it. I, I was watching it just a moment ago and I was just very distracted for a moment, probably by uh, everything that's happening in that game. And particularly we were talking about what the outfit of yeah. uh, Malky would be. And it is very pink. Drew. Yeah, let's see if we very, can paint the word picture here. For, very pink. For everyone not watching over on ESPN TV, just listening here on ESPN Radio, it's hot, borderline neon fluorescent pink. Oh, it's pink. Adorned with flowers of some sort, which I'm guessing are fake, all down the <laughs> sleeves. Yes, and those are fake flowers. They're the pink. same color as the hot pink jacket. I mean, it's yeah. like a neon pink. It's not even a hot pink. It's like make and your eyes bleed pink. Down the entire arms of both arms all the way down from shoulder to wrist. Uh, it is it is a look. She is serving us <gasps> a look. Serving us a look. I, I don't know if I'll agree with that. Yeah. How about how about this? I like it. How about this? Kim Mulkey needs a wardrobe update. How about that for no, a take? No, that's how a terrible that? take. That's not even a that's that's unreasonable and ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, if she was really She's, committed to it, she would uh, do an outfit change at halftime, right? Like right. And, and maybe between she will. quarters, between maybe she quarters, will. But only not? if her team's winning, because a real bad look if they're losing <laughs> at halftime, and she's that focused on her fashion. It is time now on Joe and Amber. That is the voice of Drew Carter filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh to sound on, sound off. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber.
We know that free agent wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. was on Aaron Rodgers' wish list, but there are several teams that are reportedly interested in the Super Bowl winning receiver. Who's the front runner to land OBJ? Jeremy Fowler was on Greeny today. Teams I've talked to believe that the Jets are the front runner right now for Odell Beckham. Now, it's going to come down to not only the situation, he needs Aaron Rodgers to be there because he wants to play with that type of quarterback, but he also needs a contract commensurate with his skill set. And that's been a bit of the holdup so far. So that's why I still think some teams that need a receiver who are in contention, whether it's the Bills, the Giants, the Chiefs, could get involved because the price range is not believed to be crazy that he's going to get some huge $15, $20 million a year deal. So that makes it more attractive to some teams to get involved. But the Jets, the most viable contender, I still believe that he'll go there and eventually go and take a physical and take a visit and, and be set up there. Who? The Jets. So James Steele, he produces this show. Welcome in. I do, yeah. All right, Drew. So the Jets are the front runners to land OBJ, but where is the best fit for him? Well, first of all, don't you guys think that Jeremy, just because he was on Greeny, said that the Jets were the favorites to it land does OBJ? Feel like- it does feel like placating. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that. Um, by the way, I also saw Jeremy Fowler at the gym today, and I don't know if he's a shower before the gym guy, but he looked great. He looked great. We'll he do some research. Yeah. We'll find huh? out. He was getting after it. Uh, I don't think the Jets are the best fit. I actually think the best fit is the team that Aaron Rodgers is trying to force his way off of right now. How about the Green Bay Packers? Jordan Love era begins in Green Bay. They get him a weapon like OBJ. I feel like that makes a lot of sense. I think Christian Watson can be a number one, maybe next year, maybe in the future. When you pair him with Odell Beckham, all of a sudden you're looking at a pretty good complement of wide receivers. And how hilarious, Amber, would it be if the Packers, right when Aaron Rodgers forces his way out, finally bring in some pass-catching help and steal OBJ from Aaron Rodgers' new team? How great would that be? That would be funny since they know he's on the wish list and all the talk has always been a lack of weapons or them wanting to bring in the veteran weapons in particular around Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't think that that's a good fit though. I don't think that green Bay should even consider that because I think OBJ himself is interested in going to a contender. And I think only a contender can frankly take the risk, even if it's a low risk because of the money and the financials that Jeremy just spoke about, even though he's probably not going to get the deal that he wants at least this season, maybe it'll take a flyer on himself. Again, people are going to be concerned, obviously coming off the reconstructed knee. There's that concern, but also because you're coming off of that injury and we don't exactly know what you have left in the tank. And yes, he contributed to that Rams Super Bowl run, but it was in snippets. Like he was good in the mm-hmm. postseason. There were some problems when he got brought to that team in the regular season. It wasn't like he was excellent the entire time with them. I'm not sure even without the knee injury, whether he's a little bit past his prime. And because of that, I think what you do is you bring him into another situation like you did with the Los Angeles Rams, where it's a contender. They bring him in the Buffalo Bills, maybe a team like that, a little extra help on the back end. It's not going to break the bank, but also if he doesn't work out, it's not going to demolish your season by any means. You're not that reliant on him. You'd be too reliant on him in Green Bay, which you're in love. But do you think the Jets are a contender, even with Aaron Rodgers? No. Because I don't. So I feel like like that characterization doesn't count for the Jets. If he's going to be on a contender in the AFC, you're looking at Cincinnati. They don't need help there. Buffalo, I don't think they really need help there. I mean, uh, maybe, I think Buffalo could. I think Buffalo is the team. I think Buffalo could use them. Maybe Kansas City. I, I don't know. I mean, I know that James is Never. nodding his head. Yeah. Would you want OBJ? I mean, why yeah, do you need nice, to change anything? That's a nice, well. I mean, they lost Juju. They, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, I feel fair. like he's like that's the type of team though. Actually, because I think he'd be a good fit there. But again. 
Patrick Mahomes isn't reliant on him, but if he's another weapon in the arsenal, I mean, it's essentially what they did this past season, like you said, yeah. with Juju, and he's moved on. Nicole Hardman, I mean, there's pieces there that Kansas City is going to need to maybe consider it, James. Maybe it's they're, not they're so gonna, crazy. I don't mind it. They're going to miss the playoffs. He'd be a great. <laughs> they're they're going to have no chance. They're going to miss the playoffs, man, am I cutting this? <laughs> the we, Chiefs missing the playoffs. Where are they finishing the division? <laughs> we just found Fifth. a way. Nice. Or we didn't just NFL find a way. Will really, James. And add an extra team. And the James Chiefs just somehow show. found a way to get the Kansas City Chiefs. It wasn't me. I didn't say anything about the Chiefs. I brought it up. That was that guy. The Giants. They surprised a lot of people last season by making the playoffs in Brian Dayball's first year as head coach, which obviously has made Dayball very popular in New York, a rock star even. But Giants owner John Mara had some lighthearted words of advice for his head coach. We kid him. I mean, right now he's Bono walking around yeah. uh, New York City. But I've told him, I said, in this business, it doesn't take long to go from Bono to Bozo. <laughs> so so don't, don't get your head uh, too big right now. But no, he, he has been great. And uh, he likes to go to Ranger games at the Garden. And they put his picture up there. And he gets these standing ovations week after week. It's a pretty cool thing cool. to see. Amber, what will Dable and the Giants do to build on this past season's success? and ensure he doesn't go from Bono to Bozo. Uh, They will need to ensure that Daniel Jones doesn't go from 2022-23 Daniel Jones to 2021-22 Daniel Jones, right? Or any of the previous... (laughs) Right. I mean, any of of the previous versions of Daniel Jones in the four years before that, or, or three years before that. Yeah, I... I don't know if the Giants, I don't think that they are an anomaly because I do think Dayball is a good coach. I just think that we're entering a season with the Giants where now the goalpost has moved and the expectations are actually there. And that's a scary place to be for that coaching staff because they came into this season without those expectations and we were also pleasantly surprised and they took us by surprise. Everyone's going to see it coming. Everyone's going to expect it this next season. And in order to live up to that expectation and to that hype, so much of that is going to depend on Daniel Jones looking like the guy and also looking better, frankly, and building upon what he did this past season. Yeah, I think more touchdowns, Daniel Jones, more, more touchdowns, buddy. How about like w- one, one touchdown per million dollars? That, mm-hmm. that seems pretty reasonable. That seems fair, but that's a lot of touchdowns then. <laughs> so, you know, I think for him to not go to Bozo, I feel like they have to pray they play a soft schedule every year because that's what happened this past year. If we're being honest, Nick, if we're being honest, Nick in the control room right now, big Giants fan, they had the fourth easiest strength of schedule last year. I feel like that was a huge contributor to their success. Like Daniel Jones has consistently improved, right? And hope, hope to see the same thing next year. But I don't know if the same magic will be there this year for the for the Giants. What he needs to continue to do is keep going to Rangers games because apparently they're 15 and 0 when he's in the house. And that could be good for anyone who might be interested in the Rangers winning a Stanley Cup this year. If you catch my drift. Opening day is a time for hope and for new beginnings. But the Angels were the well, they were the same old Angels, letting Shohei Otani's 10 strikeout, zero run performance go to waste, and a 2-1 loss to the A's last night. ESPN MLB analyst Jessica Mendoza says someone needs to save Otani. 
The game of baseball needs it flat out. As much as October is amazing, it ain't as amazing unless we have a player like Shohei Otani. And not just with the stuff. We talked about the slider hitting 102, but the fact that we could see for the first time ever a hitting pitcher as good as he is, please, Perry Manasian, trade him at the deadline. Get him on a championship team. Drew, why are the Angels the way that they are? I know, they're like Toby from The Office. Just uh, nothing seems to go right for the Angels. They have the two best players in the world, and it doesn't matter. They never make the playoffs. Obviously, that's because of the nature of the sport. I mean, it's it's the most individualized sport where one individual can't really change your fortunes. Like, if you have, I mean, if you're the best player in the it's NBA. It's not just one, though. I know, right. <laughs> it's not but, just one individual. And, and it's one guy who's basically playing two positions, so you might as well have three. That's between, true. Between You've Otani got three and of Trout. the best players in the world. <laughs> it's, it's really, dep- I can't imagine being an Angels fan. If, if those exist, I can't imagine being an Angels fan. It's got to be the most infuriating thing of all time. Otani is a free agent after this year anyway, and I, I hope for the sake of the sport as they enter this new, exciting era of the pitch clock that he goes somewhere else, somewhere where they can get him to the playoffs. Or if you're Rob Manfred, why stop at the pitch clock? You're making a bunch of changes anyway. The bases are bigger. Implement a rule that says – You have to trade Shohei yeah, Otani. Shohei Otani must play for a playoff team. So, like, there's a bidding war for Shohei Otani going into every October. I feel like that would be a fun <laughs> rule. Here's the problem with Shohei Otani for the Angels is even if he wants to stay there, they're estimating that he might cost something like $500 million, something with a five in front of it. What is the point of the Angels paying that? I mean, he puts people in the ballpark. Can they afford to pay that? And so why lose him after the season for nothing if you can trade him for something? I mean, I do think that there's a pretty decent a chance here that the angels do find a way to move on from Shohei Otani. Although when you have a generational player and a multi-generational player, as you, I mean, heck generational, he's like, whatever he's even bigger than that. Him and Babe Ruth. Yeah. Two yeah. guys ever like this. I mean, it's unbelievable. And so when you have that, it ain't easy to let it go in any sort of capacity. We all want it. We all want to see him and Mike Trout on different teams. We all desperately want that experience, and it would be great if it was a contender, but we'll see what happens. I just don't understand. I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert enough at baseball to tell you, like, why. Why can't they build around these guys? Because it just seems like I feel like I could even put a roster around these guys and win games. Right. Fantasy How baseball. How can they not? Fantasy ba- Like, it, it was classic Angels, too, on opening day, where Otani at five and two-thirds shutout, ten strikeouts, no one's on base, and they lose. It's, they're they're snake-bitten. They are snake-bitten. When they angel. score eight runs, they'll give up nine every time. Joe and Amber's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next, is Patrick Mahomes, oh, look at James Steele getting the oh, Chiefs boy. into the show again, oh, at fault for Lamar Jackson not getting as much fully guaranteed money as he's looking for. We will get into James Steele's Kansas City Chiefs. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Rolling along here on Joe and Amber. Drew Carter filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find him on social at Drudel25. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Baseball is back. Tune in tomorrow as the reigning champ Astros host the White Sox. Coverage begins at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Let's talk some NFL, though, because the NFL always steals the headlines no matter what season it is, Drew. And Lamar Jackson has been doing a whole lot of that of mm-hmm. late. Lamar Jackson's contract situation with the Ravens, 
appears not at all worked out. He's on that non-exclusive tag. It also appears no one else has handed him an offer sheet. We're getting Lamar Jackson all over Twitter. He's saying the things he's out there. He's defending himself. He's saying he didn't sit out in the postseason because of his contract. He was hurt. Well, now Richard Sherman has entered the conversation. The former NFL cornerback on the Richard Sherman podcast had someone interesting to blame for Lamar Jackson not getting a guaranteed deal. What I, what pissed me off is when Kirk Cousins got his fully guaranteed deal a couple years ago, I thought all the quarterbacks from then on were going to be like, hey, you know, if it ain't guaranteed, I ain't taking it. Then Mahomes took that BS deal just 10 years and wanted wanna, wanna to look like half a million. Like, But if you get a half of that fully guaranteed, everybody's happier. Everybody goes, that says president. But when he didn't set it, then Josh Allen didn't set it. Now Lamar's trying to set it after Deshaun's already set it. And they're like, nah. Nah, we ain't letting that go. So he's blaming Patrick Mahomes. What? Patrick Mahomes at forty-five <laughs> so million incoherent. a year. I think at the time it was the highest per annual yeah. that anybody had signed. Right now, that's Aaron Rodgers at something like fifty-one million per. I'm doing that off the top of my head. But the guaranteed money has been the sticking point in all of these conversations. And Richard Sherman saying that's Mahomes' fault that he got a, a junky contract from that perspective. How how many times did Richard Sherman say set it as in the precedent in that 30 second sound bite? He he said like four different guys set the precedent. It doesn't work like that. Like if if there's one if there's one precedent to be set then it happens once and and that's it. And I'm just I'm confused by this Amber for multiple reasons. Number 1, I feel like we usually champion a player when they bet on themselves. And Patrick Mahomes by signing that non-guaranteed $500 million plus deal was both betting on himself and securing his future. Because when, when the deal's not fully guaranteed, that's basically Patrick Mahomes saying, I think I will play the entirety of this deal. I think I will hit the incentives and I think I'll make $500 million. But he's also getting paid a whole lot of guaranteed money. So it's not a total bet on himself. It's the best of both worlds, right? That's what you deserve when you're Patrick Mahomes and you're the best quarterback in the world, as much as it pains me to say that with James Steele through the glass, our producer. But then the other side of this that's even more confusing to me is I feel like the narrative we've heard is that Deshaun Watson actually set the precedent, and more accurately, the Browns set the precedent by paying him a fully guaranteed contract. And now that's what Lamar Jackson wants. So which is it? Is is it the Chiefs not doing a fully guaranteed, or is it the Browns doing a fully guaranteed? If you remember last year, the Ravens owner, Steve Bishotti, came out and said, mm-hmm. I wish the Browns hadn't done that because now every quarterback's going to expect to get fully guaranteed. So I don't see how at all this is Patrick Mahomes' fault. He quite literally said at the owner's meeting, yes. the owner of the Baltimore Ravens, just because he did it doesn't mean everybody else has to. He was clearly sending a message to Lamar Jackson Our franchise isn't in that business. And it seems like right now, nobody else except for the Cleveland Browns are in that, in that business at this time. The thing is with Patrick Mahomes, these things are so much more complicated too than just guaranteed or fully guaranteed. Like it's very easy from the outside looking in to look at the situation and just say, well, yeah, of course, Patrick Mahomes should have just said, I'm not signing it unless it's fully guaranteed because at some point it's these quarterbacks because the quarterbacks garner the most attention in that sport. It's these quarterbacks that are going to have to put their foot down if they want to get the fully guaranteed money and kind of change the way of things in the NFL. But also 
Patrick Mahomes wants his money. So how do we have any idea whether Patrick Mahomes behind the scenes in his negotiations there with the Chiefs, maybe the Chiefs front office was like, sure, it can be fully guaranteed. We'll give you a $300 million contract fully guaranteed, or you can sign 450 and it's not fully guaranteed and we'll restructure the guarantees. And Patrick Mahomes didn't say, I want the 450. I'm betting on myself. Like we have no idea what the actual discussions were behind the scenes. What we do know is what he ended up signing. It was a 10-year, $450 million contract extension, $64 million of that fully guaranteed at signing, including a $10 million signing bonus, $141 million guaranteed for injury, a total of $477.631 million can become guaranteed based on his roster status if he plays out the entire contract. Those are important numbers, and we don't know where Patrick Mahomes' thought was during that negotiation process. Right, and the other key element of this is Patrick Mahomes has an agent, right? And Lamar Jackson doesn't. So how does that impact the negotiations? I mean, we're talking about pretty complicated stuff, like you just laid out, Amber. Like, you're a lawyer. (laughs) It takes a lawyer to understand all that stuff, whereas with Lamar, it might be a little more black and white. I want a fully guaranteed Long-term contract for maybe $250 million plus million. I have no idea. I just think it's bizarre that no one's gone out and gotten him yet. Does right. it, doesn't anyone think he's worth two first-rounders and, and paying the man what he wants? I feel well, like that's kind of weird. I think they think he's worth two first-rounders, I would imagine, but it's the whole paying him what he wants that I think yeah. is maybe the problem we're running into. Coming up next, Kevin Durant says he's not worried about his legacy. Come on. Joe and Amber, the podcast.